0: Welcome to Roadside,
1: the podcast where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Abigail.
1: And I'm Janica. And And
0: here we go. It's your turn. It's my turn. Am I going? Am I starting now?
1: Well, I don't know. Do we want to talk about stuff?
0: A very fun thing to talk about is that we are currently inside a very nice little clubhouse, (laughs) handmade by my mother herself.
1: Yes. We've decorated it.
0: We've decorated. We put some. We put up some string lights, and it looks very nice. We got a little candle in here. Yeah. I just told her it looks like we're about to go on a date, <laughs> but we're not. We're just podcasting. Yeah, yeah. but it's cute. It's cozy. Yeah, it's, it's nice and cozy. I like it a lot.
1: And I would like to say sorry to our listeners because we've haven't put out an episode in a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm currently still editing yeah. the episode <laughs> that we recorded over a week ago. Because our microphones sucked.
0: Yeah, we got a new mic.
1: So we got a new mic, and hopefully everything sounds better. And um, we've set up the clubhouse podcasting clubhouse so that yes. we can have a dedicated place to record. And, and it's fun. I it feel is. Like, fun. I feel, it's like, I feel so like, I'm, cute. like I'm in
0: my childhood clubhouse. You yeah. know, it's nice.
1: You never got to have this as your clubhouse, really. No. It was more f- more, was for, more the for the boys. boys but.
0: but it's still fun. I still feel like a kid. Yes.
1: Yeah. And it's cozy now that we have it is. We have a candle mm-hmm. and a little table to sit I at. I know.
0: It's like a little picnic table in here.
1: Yes. But hopefully now things sound better. Yeah. Hopefully. And we can get back on track to doing every week. Yes. We have a giveaway that we talked about on our last episode.
0: Yes, our giveaway.
1: Yeah. We're giving three of our listeners some merch. Whoop, whoop. t-shirt or sweatshirt whoop. and some stickers. some stickers and some surprise goodies yes so you need to make a post on instagram tiktok or facebook tag us with your favorite roadside attraction yes or unique destination or
0: unique destination
1: by december 31st and then we will pick three people randomly yes and know. send you some goodies Absolutely. Why is this so uncomfortable at the moment? I am like, like I feel like I just lost my brain.
0: I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm, okay. feeling, I'm okay. feeling ready to go.
1: Okay. I'm excited. Do you want to go?
0: I want to go. Okay. Let's go. So here we go. Today, we are talking about the Stonewall Jackson Reformatory School. Okay. In North Carolina. Um, that sounds awful. Yeah. We'll get into it. All right. Um, mm. I'm going to insert a blanket trigger warning here. Okay. In this episode, we are going to talk about child abuse. Mm. We're going to talk about child sexual assault. Oh. And some pretty nasty stuff.
1: Why are you doing that to me?
0: Once we get to that that actual point in the episode, I will say it again, just so if anybody doesn't want to listen to that, they can skip ahead.
1: Okay. Mm. Can, I, can of, I skip ahead? No, you
0: can't. <laughs> you have to listen to all of it. Great. And then I have to edit it, so
1: I have to listen to it over yeah. and over again.
0: Okay. Our story begins... With James Cook. All right. James Cook was a local news reporter and the editor of the Concord Standard, Concord Standard in North Carolina. And around 1890, James Cook attended a session of the Superior Court in Concord. And here he witnessed a 13-year-old boy who was on trial for stealing $1.30. What year was this? Uh, 1890. Okay. This boy was on trial for stealing a dollar and thirty cents, which today would be forty-two dollars and fifty-seven cents.
1: Okay. Um, so, but we're putting a thirteen-year-old on trial.
0: Yes. Okay. So this boy was convicted, and he was sentenced to three and a half years on the county chain gang, doing hard labor with adults. Oh. Because back in the day, there was no separate criminal system. For For children and adults. Hmm. So this 13-year-old boy was going to be with hardened adult criminals. This already starts bad. Yes. And a lot of times these children who would go into the prisons would be preyed on by the other criminals. James Cook watched as this boy was shackled to a chain full of grown men and led out of the courtroom. Oh, God. So after this, James was like, hey, that's kind of fucked up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he noticed that.
0: He started writing in his paper about the harsh treatment of juveniles in the justice system. And eventually he started pushing for change. Okay. We love James Cook.
1: Okay, good. We I like was him. I afraid he was going to turn bad at some point, but... No. Okay, good.
0: In one of his writings, he actually wrote the story of this particular 13-year-old boy. The boy's parents were very poor. He grew up very poor, uneducated. They didn't send him to school because they didn't know that they should, basically. Okay. And both of his parents died when he was 13 of a sickness. Oh, my gosh. I know. And after his parents died, he was sent to live with distant relatives who were wealthy and educated. Oh. So, you know, we're thinking this is going to be good. Like, whoop, whoop, living with the fancy rich relatives. Right. It was not. No. They didn't like him because he was, uh, he grew up poor Ugh. and he was uneducated. So they basically treated him like a slave around the house.
1: So instead of trying to give him a good childhood. Yeah,
0: no. Um, their kids got to go to school.
1: Of course. And their
0: kids got to go to church and Sunday school, but they wouldn't send him there. Great. He was forced to do hard labor around the house in exchange for living there. Poor kid. And then I'm going to, I have a nice little quote from this article, which is kind of long, but it's very nice. Okay. One Sunday afternoon, when the family was away attending Sunday school, the boy, having been left home to guard the cows from the wheat fields, with a childish curiosity, could not resist the temptation to investigate the house. As a kid would. right? To him, a marvel of bigness and wonder. The young fellow found in a bureau drawer a small sum of money. The love of money seems to come with the first breath. And to an untutored child, it has even greater charm. The boy took the money, and in parentheses it says, we have not the heart to call it stealing, mm. and returned to his assigned duty. Upon the family's return from the church, the man of the house went directly to that bureau drawer. Was it a trap? He discovered his loss. What would you have done, gentle reader, under these circumstances?
1: I mean, if I really thought it was him, I would have talked to him, but I wouldn't have turned him over to the authorities.
0: Yeah. So, basically, this man of the house, who was supposed to be watching this kid, planted the money there. Because he knew that the kid was poor, he needed money, so he basically set him up. I don't like him. No, we don't like him. Once the man of the house... Found this out, he had him arrested and kicked out of his house. So he wouldn't have to take care of him anymore. Lovely. Yes. And Cook later said of the judge who convicted the boy, he appeared not to see the child before him, just a criminal. He asked no questions, the birth, the home, the environment, the opportunity, the cowardly conduct of the great big stalwart man, the man of the house, who swore out the warrant against him. None of these the judges ever heard. He coldly, easily, and quickly sentenced that small 13-year-old boy to a county chain gang for three years and six months at hard labor. And this was the treatment meted out to the child in a North Carolina superior court in 1890. That's awful. Yeah, pretty terrible. After his hard work in campaigning for this boy, he eventually got him executive clemency. He got him taken out of jail. Good. And the boy was released. Love it. But... James Cook did not want to stop there. He had a goal to open a reform school to give boys with a criminal record a second chance. Okay. The school was to be a place where convicted boys could spend their sentence instead of in prison. He proposed this idea in his newspaper and began to advocate it, but the idea was met with opposition all the way through. Nobody liked this idea. A lot of people didn't think a school like this was necessary. The current system was fine. It's going to take too much tax dollars. Mm. And one of Cook's friends even wrote to him, and said, "Hey, that's a really good idea, but this state is too conservative. It's probably not going to happen, so mm. you better give up." Okay. He did not give up. Some people believe and still do that these young boys should only be punished for their crimes and not given a chance to be rehabilitated, and people argued also that the public schools in North Carolina should be enough and we don't need another one. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but he did not give up. He was he was strong and he really wanted to help these boys learn from their mistakes and figure out the why behind their crimes and help them lead better lives. Okay. Eventually, he teamed up with some organizations, maybe not the best organizations. Oh, gosh.
1: I can tell by your face. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he, he teamed up with the organization called the King's Daughters, which was a Christian service order, which, fine. He teamed up with the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and he teamed up with the United Daughters of the Confederacy. Okay. Okay all of these groups were Christian white women who did not want to help people of color and only white people. So they would only let white people into this school.
1: <sighs> okay.
0: Um, so he teamed up with these and a bunch of other white Christian women's groups. Alrighty. And despite getting together and raising funds, it took a really, really long time to get the green light. They fought through board meeting after board meeting for years and years in order to get through all the red tape. And I actually found, this was fascinating to read, I found a book written in the 1940s about the history of the school. And in the book, they have quotes from the board meetings. Oh. Like, from the minutes. Okay. One quote from uh, 1905. This board most earnestly advocates the establishment of an industrial or reform school. For 15 years, it has brought its recommendation to the General Assembly of the state. Again, it urges the need of stretching out the staying hand to prevent the downward course of children. Save these children from the very dust heap of humanity and make women and men of them. Oh, It's very nice. Yeah. It's very nice. The whole intention behind this is like, great.
1: I like the dust heap of humanity. I know. <laughs> I
0: had to put that in there. <laughs> but again, met with more people who just didn't want to do it. Right. The only way that they got all of the votes that they needed and the final green light go-ahead was when they promised to name the school after Stonewall Jackson, the Confederate general, (laughs) because only then did the Confederate veterans in the North Carolina government, then they were like, oh, okay. So, yeah, whatever. The act establishing the Stonewall Jackson Manual Training and Industrial School became law on March 2nd, 1907, and stated the school would only accept young white boys that were convicted of a crime.
1: Okay, but in the minutes, it said men and women.
0: It did, but they don't, they wouldn't accept women. Got it. Only boys.
1: And they had to be white.
0: Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So the governor at the time appointed James Cook to the school's very first board of trustees. And the Board of Trustees eventually voted for Cook to be the chairman of the board, and he remained there for 20 years. Another member of the Board of Trustees was actually May Anna Jackson, who was the second wife of General Stonewall Jackson. Okay. Just thought that was a little interesting little tidbit. <laughs> Once they found the property that they were going to build the school on, which was almost 300 acres.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, a, wow.
0: I know. So once they found that and they had raised enough money to get the school going, the board of trustees appointed Professor Walter Thompson as the first superintendent. Very exciting. And the first building that was erected was known as Daughter's Cottage. Okay. Which was a dorm named after the king's daughters. This cottage is important. Okay. Later. <laughs> Eventually, the school opened on January 12th, 1909, near Concord, North Carolina, with one student. One. One. One boy from Burlington, but eventually it grew to as many as 530 students in 1929. Holy cow. Yes. At the school, boys age 7 to 19. (gasps) Seven? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh. So these boys would get a formal education and they would learn a trade and live in dorms.
1: So this school, was this for... Kids that were already in trouble or anybody could send their kid there? Kids
0: that were already in trouble.
1: So there's seven-year-olds that have done something enough that they have to go to a reform school.
0: Yeah. Which most of the time I saw back in like the early days of the school, their quote unquote crimes were like skipping a school.
1: Oh, Lord have mercy.
0: So that's probably what the seven-year-olds did. They just didn't go to school or their parents didn't take them to school or, you know, whatever. (sighs) Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. The boys would go to school for half the day and then learn a a trade for the other half a day. And the trades they learned included shoemaking, printing, textiles, machinery, sewing. They worked in barbershops, on farms, all kinds of stuff. Okay. The school had their own big farm, lots of land, lots of fields. They had a dairy barn. Wow. Um, And all of the food that they harvested was used to supply the school with food. And they also had a newspaper called The Uplift. Okay. Yes. That's just a little interesting thing. So eventually the grounds grew really, really big. They had over 60 buildings. Wow. And it included an infirmary, a bunch of other dorm cottages, a church, recreational buildings, an indoor swimming pool.
1: Yeah.
0: Educational buildings, barns, pasture lands, a whole bunch of other stuff. There were 15 or more cottages. Two stories, each with a basement, and each had pantries for food, locker rooms, bathrooms, sitting rooms, and clothing rooms. Each cottage held about 30 boys.
1: Oh, they must have been pretty big. Well, maybe not. not.
0: really. They were not <laughs> okay. really. Okay. All the boys slept in one big room. Okay. With little, like, cots.
1: Oh, I got it.
0: And each cottage also had a room for the cottage parents, which was oh. a man and woman, usually married, that were supposed to be, like, the parents, quote-unquote, of the boys. So they're, like, the
1: guardians while they were at this. Yeah. Not their actual parents. Right, no.
0: But the cottage parents would help the boys with social skills. They would teach them how to cook and clean and give them advice and just kind of be, like, parents in general. And most of these boys came from underprivileged, abusive homes or neglectful homes. Hmm. And a lot of times that's how they end up there because they miss school or they are stealing to help provide for their family. And that's seen as like, you know, they don't want that. So we'll send you to a reform school.
1: That's so sad.
0: I know. And a lot of the boys were many, many years behind in schooling. I saw in this same book that I'm talking about, which I will, will put in the show notes. Yeah. I saw so many pictures of classrooms and it was one picture I saw. It said first grade classroom. And there was boys who looked like first grade age. And then there was like 16 year old boys. Oh. Because they just didn't know. Right. They had them do educational tests and started them in whatever grade they. Which is smart
1: because you can't put a 16 year old that doesn't have the education into high school.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was not very easy to be in the school. A lot of the boys hated it. I bet. But in the early days, it said that the teachers and administrators were strict, but fair. And those who ran the school insisted that it was not a prison, it should not feel like a prison, they didn't want the boys to feel like prisoners. Okay. And in one of the yearly reports, the superintendent wrote, boys should not be sent here as a punishment for their infractions of the law. The school is not a penal institution and does not attempt to administer punishment to a boy for his past wrongs. They are left behind him forever. So as far as the training school is concerned, all boys are allowed the freedom of outdoors... The school tries to encourage a boy to lead a clean life mentally, morally, physically, and to form correct habits. His record at the school is what makes him a good or bad prospect in the eyes of the officers of the institution. Okay. They really just didn't want these boys to feel like they were being punished. Yeah, they just wanted them you know?
1: to ha- get an education. Right. and
0: give them, their, give them their chance, and that was Cook's whole plan. Right. That was his whole idea. This was what he wanted.
1: Which sounds Good, but I'm yes. worried.
0: <laughs> Cook eventually passed away, unfortunately, in the 1920s. Okay. Um. So he was not there to help out anymore. Yeah. But he did work at the school and serve the school until his last day. Wow. And it was like 30 years of his life or more that he worked towards this school, and he really made it happen, and he did a really good job.
1: That's awesome. However. Yeah. <laughs> I knew something. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah. So far, it seems like a really nice school for underprivileged boys so they can get their education and treatment and, you know, lead happy lives. Mm -hmm. That didn't really last long. What started as, like, a wholesome thing meant to help children turned down the wrong path and ended up hurting these children even more. This really started after the end of World War II. Okay. So we all know World War II, you know, genocide yeah. Purification of races, all that lovely stuff. And the idea, a lot of people don't realize the idea of purifying the races stuck around. Okay. People became fascinated with the idea of eugenics. I have a quote here. Okay. Eugenics is the scientifically erroneous and immoral theory of racial improvement and planned breeding, which gained popularity during the early 20th century. Eugenicists worldwide believed they could perfect human beings and eliminate so-called social ills through genetics and heredity. They believed the use of methods such as involuntary sterilization, Mm. segregation, and social exclusion would rid society of individuals they deemed to be unfit.
1: I want to vomit.
0: So that's what eugenics is. And that quote came from the National Human Genome Research Center. Okay. It's basically a bogus science. And very, very racist. Um, Clearly. Very ableist. Anyone who was, you know, not purely white or had mental illnesses or was disabled was a stain on the race, you know.
1: Involuntary sterilization. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this theory and the term eugenics began with Francis Galton in 1883.
1: Okay, I don't like him.
0: He was also Charles Darwin's cousin. Really? Yes, he was. Huh. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. But basically, he decided the human population needed improving, so he started studying the human genome and tried to figure out ways to make the perfect race.
1: Clearly, he has a God complex. Oh, for
0: sure, for sure. (laughs) This idea gained popularity in the States. Eugenics was a big thing in the United States. Hmm. Back in, like, the 30s to 50s. I
1: had no idea.
0: I didn't either. But a lot of countries all over the world started practicing eugenics. The obviously most well-known application of eugenics was Nazi Germany. After World War II ended, many states were like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's help, quote, improve our populations to limit feeble-mindedness.
1: This is so gross.
0: So a lot of states were forcing sterilization on people, mostly black people and Native American people. Gay people. Anyone who they thought was not. That's just... Right. Whatever. One of these states happened to be North Carolina. Okay. In North Carolina, during the 1940s and 50s, they would force sterilization mostly on women, particularly black women. And during 1948, the North Carolina State Eugenics Board... Gross. ...approved the Stonewall Jackson School to perform forced vasectomies. Oh
1: my god, no! Yeah. These are children.
0: Yeah. What the fuck So all of these all of these students were nineteen or younger. Yeah. Yeah. So They're sent
1: here to supposedly have a better life and now oh sorry, you were not even gonna let you have a child when you get older. Yeah.
0: The idea was if they don't pass along their genes, then there'll be less crime. That is so funny. It's stupid. This was done a lot back in the days, especially in prisons and mental institutions where Prisoners and patients were seen as state property. Oh,
1: God. what the fuck? I swear yeah.
0: to God. The school sterilized six teenage male students. Mm. So that's where the bad stuff starts. Oh, God. Okay. I don't know how long that lasted. There could be more than six students, but six was what I found to okay. be the big number. The school's obviously taking a turn for the worse. It's going downhill a little bit. Sounds like it. And then there were the cottages and the cottage's parents. Okay. Daughter's cottage was one of the worst. The parents were very strict. They would do a lot of punishments, Mm. even if it wasn't necessarily earned. But cottage 13 was a rough one. We're going to insert a trigger warning here for child abuse and child sexual assault.
1: Okay, I'm leaving.
0: No, you can't. (laughs) Cottage 13 was known as the queer cottage Ah, the following is a quote from russell smith who was a student at the school okay i was going to cottage 13 run by cottage parents mr and mrs tompkinson who were members of the kkk gross they told me that the cottage had a reputation that it was known as the queer cottage i would in time realize that this was due to the great misrepresentation of prisoner rape as a homosexual problem that Cottage 13 was a hotbed of prisoner rape. Oh. So the boys in Cottage 13 would rape the younger boys. Oh my God. The cottage parents would do things to the boys. And when the parents of the students, the actual parents of the students were informed of this, they were not told that their son had been raped. They were told that he had been willingly having sex with other boys. Oh
1: my God. And that he was gay. What the fuck?
0: So, of course, whenever these boys would go back home, their parents are like, oh, so you're gay. And, you know, that was wrong back in the day. Right. So they would be mistreated at home after that.
1: Oh, my God. Those poor boys. Ugh.
0: And when the cottage parents found out that a boy had been raped, he would be punished for being raped. What? Yeah.
1: What about the one that raped him? Nope. Jesus Christ. This is
0: ridiculous. Yeah. So some of the punishments given by the cottage parents were pretty rough. Another quote from a former student. I was there in 1964 as a 14-year-old boy. A favorite punishment of the cottage parents was to hold a child's foot up and hit their bare foot with a ruler or strap until you could hardly stand it. This was called hot foot. What? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with people? There was a lot of other really, really horrific stuff that these cottage parents did that i'm not gonna mention no that bad it was really bad okay just it's just it's too much people can go to look mention. for themselves if, if to, they really need yes. that
1: but yes but i am we don't gonna need to put that to. out there it's a
0: li- it's really i don't bad. even know
1: what it is and i don't want to put it out it's there bad. okay
0: at the time in the 40s and 50s there was really bad overcrowding in the school there was way too many boys in each cottage and they just didn't have the facilities to handle it. Okay. And then, of course, the buildings started crumbling because there were so many people. So it was, like, inhumane living spaces, basically. Okay. I'm going to go over a little bit more of some some little incidents that happened.
1: Okay. A lot Do of times, I still need a trigger warning here?
0: This trigger warning is going all the way through. Okay. A lot of times, the boys would run away. Because Fuck yeah, I would. they don't want to be there.
1: I don't want to... I I agree.
0: Yeah. But eventually they would be caught.
1: Oh, shit. And that's probably even worse.
0: When they were caught, they were stripped naked. Oh, no. And placed in isolation cells where they would occasionally be beaten. Like just some of the adults would just come in and beat them up. They would have... There were some boys that had broken noses. They would have their teeth knocked out. They would have black eyes. (laughs) Bones broken is bad. And there is one boy who particularly remembered that he was caught smoking a cigarette mm. for the first time ever. It was his first cigarette that he ever smoked. And he received 76 lashes.
1: Oh my god.
0: For smoking a cigarette. The boys were beaten for not doing well in school, not picking enough crops in the fields. They were punished if their bedmate wet the bed. So they
1: had bedmates? Yeah. So basically these adults were punishing these children for anything that they could think of.
0: Yeah, pretty much anything. I saw one story where a boy was beaten because he won a game of checkers against the house parent's actual son.
1: Oh my God.
0: Who was three. What? Yeah, the actual son was three. And this like maybe 12 or 13 year old boy One in checkers, obviously.
1: Obviously. Because
0: he's three. And the parent was like, fuck you. Started beating him up. And then he was like, play him again. So he won again, got beat again. And then they said, go again, play again. He purposefully lost. Well, I would. And he was beaten for not trying hard enough. So they're literally just, that's all they want to do is
1: beat these kids. And also in front of their Uh three-year-old beating this kid.
0: Yeah, all the time. What the
1: fuck? I'm so, I'm so grossed out.
0: I also read about a certain type of punishment. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Where they would line up the boys in a particular order. Okay. They would choose where the boys would line up. Mm Mm-hmm. The first boy in the line would get whipped once. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Second boy twice. No. The third boy three times. No. On and on until the very end when it was their least favorite person. And he just wouldn't count anymore. Oh my god, I'm gonna throw up. Like, I'm literally gonna throw up. I feel like I'm gonna cry. Okay, go. (laughs) (sighs) The black students, eventually, they would let black students into the school. Okay. In, like, the 50s and 60s. Probably more like the 60s, 70s. Yeah. But were treated much worse than the white students. Especially because a lot of the members, a lot of the teachers and administrators and cottage parents were members of the KKK. Oh, Jesus. So they would treat them much worse. There was also a boy who got run over by a dump truck. Oh, accidentally? I don't know. (sighs) He was killed. I bet. Because the dump truck wouldn't slow down as it was coming into the school grounds. Oh my god. In this book that I found, Mm -hmm. there were at least nine deaths of (sighs) students, and that was in like 1942. (sighs) That was before the whole sterilization stuff Before this stuff. Oh my god. It's believed that there is probably a mass grave somewhere. Oh, really? Because there were mass graves at a lot of reform schools.
1: Oh. They haven't
0: found any, but they believe that there is. That's so sad. I found a blog online where there were... I read through hundreds and hundreds of comments from former students. (sighs) Telling their stories and sharing and reconnecting with old classmates and it was very wholesome in a way. Okay. Also terrible because, you know, they're sharing these horrible, horrible things that happened to them. Right. But it was really wholesome to see them reconnect and be like, oh, my God, I was in the same cottage as you. I remember you. Oh. Like, it was, it, was, it was cute in a horrible way.
1: Yes. Well, these people experienced it along with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In their adult life, they've probably never connected with somebody who understands right. what they went through. Like, that's... Yeah very true of people that go through horrific situations um are involved in cults and things mm-hmm. like that like nobody understands unless they've actually been there right so that a
0: lot of these guys have also never talked about it before with I, anyone
1: i can imagine and so
0: once they're reconnected with some of their former classmates they get to share and they get to talk about like oh, i hated this teacher or this guy was really nice yeah you know? it was nice to read but then there was random people commenting on there the most horrible things like you know this never happened you're all lying whatever
1: yes collectively i'm sure all these people across america decided to make up this yeah for
0: sure that's what (laughs) happened but then there were also people in the comment section who were like i'm an author and i would really love to write a book if you're willing to tell your story please reach out they would have their email there's people who are looking to do documentaries and just share the horribleness of what happened yeah as far as I can tell, the school eventually got better. I don't know when exactly. I don't know how the the rules changed or the laws changed or something like that. But the school eventually closed. Good. It is no longer open. Good.
1: I was going to ask, like, so many times. I was um, like, she'll get there. She'll get there. Yes. Just <laughs>
0: get I saw a bunch of different sources. Some say that it closed in 2013. Some people oh. say that it's still open. What? Really? I don't know. I really, I'm pretty sure it's closed because every source that I saw that it was still open was like kind of back in the day a little bit. Hmm. But the school stayed open for a while and did not have nearly as many students, maybe a hundred or less. Okay. And it was very, apparently very different environment. Towards the end, they focused more on therapy than punishment. I really couldn't find a lot about the later days of the school. Only they only used half of the structures on the property until they finally closed. And now all of the buildings are abandoned. They're all crumbling, decaying, mm. and there's tons of people who go there and do photo shoots and oh. take pictures of the buildings and inside the buildings and it's creepy as fuck. I bet. It's terrifying. There was like one picture of a big empty stairwell and there's a teddy bear that's like all dilapidated laying on the... I don't know if that was planted there by whoever took the picture. But it was still still creepy. Yeah. There was pictures of the dorms, of the infirmary. It was just all really gross and creepy. And there's actually a debate going around about whether or not to demolish the buildings or to renovate them. Huh. On one hand... The buildings are like a piece of history, and they did have very good history behind them at first. Right. They would be really beautiful buildings if they were renovated. However, is this the piece of history we want to preserve? Right. And if they do preserve it, that's going to say a lot about the state of North Carolina and the people who are behind renovating it.
1: I mean, you're right. The intent when it was first opened, Mm. how things went, you know, versus putting a 13-year-old in prison with grown men. But the fact that it kind of became this own hell on earth for Mm -hmm. these children. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't live in North Carolina, and I have no say in what happens to this piece of property. (laughs) But I think demolishing it and then in some other way... You know, give James Cook his his um I don't know, tribute in some mm-hmm. other way and yeah. what he was trying to do versus right. what ended up happening when he was no longer around. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's obviously not my choice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say something else, what was I gonna say?
1: Did you love me and I'm awesome? I love you and you're awesome. Thanks.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways,
1: so that's... That's, um,
0: that's that's it. That's all I got. Well, thoughts? you said you...
1: Yes, I have a couple thoughts. Tell me. Number one, I just had to go upstairs to turn the heat off. Mm-hmm. And so while I was up there, I was thinking... She said she had like eight pages of notes and that this could have been a two-part. But I have a feeling that because we were able to get it into one part is because of a lot of the stuff that you chose not to talk that about. That I didn't
0: add in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think... That is, one, very respectful for people listening because people don't necessarily want to hear that. Yeah. But then also for the the victims that this happened to.
0: mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a rough one. Yeah. Now, is this somewhere that people go? Like you said, there was pictures and stuff. Do yeah,
0: it's not open to the public. Okay. People will sneak onto the grounds and take pictures. So Got obviously. it. But oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. And I have to find it now. In this blog that I found, I found a former student, Russell Dan Smith. Okay. Russell Smith, he talked a lot about his experiences, his terrible experiences, everything that happened to him. And he took all of these experiences and started something good. Okay. Russell Smith founded... In 1980, the People Organized to Stop Rape of Imprisoned Persons. Oh, wow. Yes.
1: What is the acronym for that? People Organized?
0: P-O-S-R-I-P. POSRIP. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which now is actually just called Just Detention International. Hmm. So, JDI. Okay. But this organization has been really helpful with stopping prison rape. Well, good. Um, I mean it's still obviously a thing that happens. Yeah. But he's also Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Again. I'm 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 like at the end of the episode so I'm like losing all of my thoughts. <laughs> Russell Smith is also a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community and just a great guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um the moral of the story is that He made something good out of all of this horrible stuff. Yeah. And And he was a former student, right? He raised a lot of money for it. He's been working on writing up bills, stuff like that.
1: Okay. I mean, I hate that that happened to him. Yeah. But it's nice that he's doing something positive with it. It's
0: so sad that how good this started like, yeah. All absolutely. the good intentions that came with trying to save this thirteen year old boy and all the other boys who go into prisons. Whatever
1: happened to the thirteen year old boy? I don't know. Actually. He didn't end up going to the school though, right?
0: I have no idea. Oh. Okay. I couldn't find a lot about him specifically. Okay. But James Cook, I found a quote from someone about James Cook after he died, and it referred to him as a friend of the wayward boy. Aw. So James Cook. We love him. Yeah. The other people of the school we hate. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's that. All right. That is the episode. You're welcome. Thanks, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn more about the stuff that I did not mention, you are welcome to. I will avoid that as much as possible. I do recommend that you look up pictures online because it's so creepy and fascinating.
1: Okay. I'd like to look up pictures. Yeah. I'll
0: have to show you I some. I think...
1: Next week, I'm 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 gonna have to do something a little lighter.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. My my episodes tend to be a little dark.
1: I've noticed.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that the lighthouses weren't terrible, but still, I think we might need another
0: another lighthearted, one. lighthearted, yeah. wholesome one to just
1: kind of break it up, cleanse, so.
0: cleanse us out, little cleanse little the palate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys.
1: That's all right. We're here for you know sometimes disturbing. Sometimes history. disturbing, yes. So that's
0: how it goes. All right. That's that. All right.
1: So you can go to uh, roadsidepodcast.com. There is links to all of our socials there. Boop boop. And you can email us there. Boop. boop. And <laughs> don't forget to <laughs> post uh, your favorite roadside yeah. attraction. Tag us. And maybe you can Give get away. some merch. Boop, boop. Yes. All right, that's it. That's I'm exhausted it. now. I need, I need to go take my mind off of this and watch mindless TikToks or something. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm going to do. Okay.
0: Maybe I'll watch TikToks about this. Oh, God. <laughs> and see if there's any, like, because oh. I bet this guy's on TikTok. The... Oh, I don't know if he's dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Because a lot of the blog posts were in, like, 2010.
1: Oh. I bet there's something about it on TikTok. Probably. But,
0: but I think maybe I'll wait. I think
1: I'm just gonna I don't know. Go watch Megan Trainor. Megan Trainer has some has some funny dances or something.
0: Her and Chris on TikTok. They do TikToks together and they're so funny. Oh yeah. I love them. They're like besties and I'm I'm here for it. They also have the same birthday. Do they? Yeah. That's cool. No, when's their birthday? I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently they have the same birthday, so
1: Okay, cool. All right.
0: So, you know, go watch them on TikTok. All right. There we We're done. We're done. Until next time. Until next time. (laughs) Um, Until next time, keep finding the thrill in the mysterious. All right. That's it. We're done. See ya. See ya. (laughs)